In this episode, I'm going to share with you five takeaways from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Let's get started. What's up? I'm your bro, Dr. Mario Escobedo, pastor and online Bible teacher. It wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, knowledge, and tools to feed my desire to dig deeper into God's Word. Fast forward past many lessons learned, mentors, and personal encounters with God, and you'll see the incredible privilege God has given me to teach the Bible to others. I'm convinced now more than ever that it's been God's Word that has led me to discover and fulfill the purpose God designed for me. I created the Christian Bro Code Podcast to help you on your journey to do the same. If you're a Christian bro who wants to grow as a disciple of Jesus so you can live, love, and lead in a way that honors God, you're in the right place. Let's get started, bro. Hey, what's up? It's your bro, Dr. Mario Escobedo. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Christian Bro Code Podcast. You are listening to Season 3, Episode number 7, releasing on August the 1st, 2020. You might be listening to this at another time, but this is when it came out, August 1st, 2020. Crazy time of the year in our country, in the world. You know, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. I mentioned that in the previous episode Coronavirus, elections coming up, uh, protests or riots, however you look at it, happening in our country. Just a whole bunch of stuff going on. But hey, that does not, that does not deter us from growing as disciples of Jesus. And in fact, you hear me say this every single episode, that the purpose of the Christian Bro Code is to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can advance the mission that Jesus started. Live, love, lead in a way that honors God. And so in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you five takeaways from a very well-known, a very interesting passage, Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But first, let me remind you that over at thechristianbroco.com, I have prepared a free training for you on how to kickstart your very own Bible study library. And let me tell you why I've done this. I sincerely believe that if you are going to be a growing disciple of Jesus— You need to be a self-feeder. That means that you have to know how to study the Bible for yourself and not rely on somebody else for your own spiritual nourishment. And so with that in mind, I prepared a training that teaches you about three specific tools that you can get a hold of so that you can kickstart your own Bible study library and, as a result, take your Bible study to a whole other level. So if you're interested in that, then check out this free training that I put uh, put together for you over at the Christian Bro Code Dot com Totally free, and you can get it, download it, all that stuff. All right. So today's teaching, again, all about growing as a disciple of Jesus. And one of the best things that we can do to grow as a disciple of Jesus is to look at the stories that the Gospels record about Jesus. And we can learn from what Jesus did. Obviously, that's the primary thing that we want to do. But we can also learn from different principles that are taught in the events of Jesus's life and in his ministry. And so today we're looking at Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I guarantee you that you are familiar with this passage. If you've been in church for any length of time, more than likely you've heard this taught, uh, preached. You've probably read it at some point yourself. This is when Jesus, in Mark, this is when he, he, he liberates a man from demon possession— and the demons go into a herd of pigs that were right there near them uh, where, the, where all these events took place, and then they hurled themselves 
off of a stink ba- uh, stink a steep bank. I'm combining my words there. A steep bank into a lake, and they were drowned. And so, uh, I'm not going to look at the entire passage in great detail. I'm just going to highlight some things, and then, like I said, five takeaways from this passage that I think can help us grow as disciples of Jesus. Now, let me mention to you that one of the things that I do anytime I do a, a Bible study of, for myself, whether I'm doing it for personal edification, to prepare teaching for the bro code, uh, for preaching at my church, whatever, one of the things I do is that I I try to identify what is the main idea of the passage I'm studying, but I do it using only the words of the biblical text. And that, that's part of the process that, that I use when I do a Bible study from any passage in the Bible, really. Now, at some point later in my process, I paraphrase or I summarize that main idea using my own words. But in the initial stages of my personal Bible study, I, I identify the key center, the main idea, the, the, the whatever you want to call it, of a passage using only the words of the biblical text. In this case, for Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, I have identified a portion of verse 19 as the main idea for this passage. And this is how that, that portion reads. It says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. If somebody were to ask me, what is Mark 5, 1 through 20 about? I, I think I would, I would cite that verse to them. I think I would summarize it with that verse, with what I just read to you, because from there I can then go into more detail about what this passage is talking about. But in essence, that's what this passage is about. Jesus liberates a man from demon possession. The man wants to follow him. Jesus says, no, instead go home and do this. I think that's a good—it encapsulates well what this passage is wanting to communicate to us. But what I want to share with you are five takeaways from different portions of this passage that I think are are interesting and that they will help us grow as disciples of Jesus, even so as we help others grow as disciples of Jesus or just as they're in their journey of spiritual growth. So here's the first takeaway that I that I've noticed— from this from this passage. And it, it has to do with verses 1 through 5. And let me, let me read those verses so that it, you have a bit of context, a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about. This is what it says. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So in these verses, verses 1 through 5, you get a very clear picture of the suffering and the torment that this man was enduring because of the demon possession. And what I want to focus on here, the, the takeaway from these verses that I notice here is the following. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the takeaway and then I'm going to explain how I got there. Okay, here's the takeaway from these verses. Physical solutions can never solve spiritual needs. Physical solutions can never solve spiritual needs. Put differently, spiritual needs need spiritual solutions. Spiritual needs require spiritual solutions. Now, hear what I mean. The man was demon-possessed. This is a spiritual situation. He's demon-possessed. Spiritual situation, spiritual problem spiritual torment. And notice how the people, whoever these people were, 
Notice how they tried to solve this situation. Verse 3 says that no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains, so they had tried to bind him. Verse 4 says he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. This was a spiritual need that this man was encountering. And notice, either for because of, I don't know, lack of knowledge, ignorance, or whatever, the people who were binding him were trying to attack a spiritual solution with some physical, a spiritual need, I'm sorry, with physical solutions. Hey, let's chain him up. That'll solve it. Well, they found out very quickly and multiple times that it didn't solve it. He had a spiritual need that could not be resolved with a spirit, with a, with a physical solution. Spiritual need, demon possessed. The physical solution, let's chain him up. It didn't work. Not until Jesus showed up with the spiritual solution, he himself was the spiritual solution because he cast out the demons from this man. It wasn't until then that this man was truly free of this situation. It was a spiritual need that required a spiritual solution. Now, that's something that still is applicable to us today. Think about it. How many people are walking around with spiritual needs? I mean, they're living spiritually tormented, depression, oppression, in some cases, actual demonic oppression and attacks. And how many people that, that, that you probably know of, or at least you've heard of these kinds of people, that they try, just think about this, they try to solve their spiritual needs with physical solutions. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, drug addictions, alcohol, pornography, illicit sexual encounters, multiple sexual partners, all of those things are physical solutions to spiritual needs of loneliness, of depression, of, of really just not having Jesus in their life, right? And so no matter how many different physical, material solutions somebody tries, when it's a spiritual need, it requires a spiritual solution. And it's as true today as it was back then with this man that the only and the ultimate solution is Jesus. I mean, Jesus has to show up in that person's life and perform the liberation that needs to be performed. So from verses 1 through 5, first key takeaway from this, and I'd invite you to go back and look at these verses and just, just think about what I'm saying, see if it makes sense to you, but spiritual needs require spiritual solutions, or put differently, physical solutions can never solve spiritual needs. Takeaway number two. Now, for this, I'm going to look at some uh, verses from verses 3 through 12, and I'll summarize some and I'll read some others. Again, we see that the man was uh, demon-possessed. He could not be bound. They had tried to chain him up. Didn't work. And then this, this is what, what's interesting. It says that uh, no one was strong enough to subdue him. So they had tried, but nobody had neither the power nor the authority nor the strength to subdue this man. Okay, verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, this is the man, when he saw Jesus from a distance, obviously under demonic impulse or, uh, uh, I don't know, motivation, I, I don't know, but it says, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God, in God's name, don't torture me. So you can imagine there that the demon had taken possession of this man, and it was the demon speaking through the man, verse 10, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside 
The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. Now, here's what I want to point out. Notice, nobody could subdue the man. Nobody had the authority, the power, nor the strength to subdue the man. When Jesus showed up, the first thing that this man or the demons, it seems that they're kind of one in the same at some points, the first thing that happens is that it says he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. Then you have them saying, don't torture me. Then they begged Jesus again and again. Then they begged Jesus, send us to the pigs, and he gave them permission. Notice what happens here. Nobody was able to subdue the man because he was demon-possessed, but the instant that Jesus showed up, the demons recognized the authority of Jesus. The spiritual takeaway that I see here is as follows. Jesus has authority over any and every evil spirit and no matter how many. We find out that there were many spirits that had possessed this man, yet they were not a match for the authority and the power of Jesus. Notice this, that those demons had done whatever they wanted with that man and with the people of that region. I mean, they, they would tie this man up, and through the power of the demons, the man would just break the chains, and I'm thinking that he was terrorizing. At the very least, he was frightening the people of that area, and nobody could do anything about it. But then Jesus showed up. And what you see is an incredible, really an incredible change in that these demons that had provoked fear and, and just fright, I guess fear and fright are the same thing, right? But they had provoked this in the people and nobody could do anything about it. Then we see the demons cowering in front of Jesus because as he ran and fell on his knees, and he was begging Jesus. They, they, they were begging, don't, don't torture us. They begged him again and again, and then let us go over there. So you have what was once this indomitable, this un, you know, unchainable force, cowering, begging Jesus on their knees, saying, don't, don't do this to us. You know, it's kind of like saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, right? And it just demonstrates the incredible authority and the power of Jesus, that obviously these demons recognized that Jesus was not just any common man. In fact, they said, what do you want with us, Son of the Most High God? They recognized his authority. Now, that hasn't changed from that time to our time. Jesus has not lost authority over every evil spirit. I mean, he continues to be fully sovereign and have full authority over any and every evil spirit, including those that might be trying to attack you or any other loved ones. So what do we do? We don't rely on our own strength. We don't rely on physical solutions for spiritual needs. We rely on the authority of Jesus, because only he has authority over any and every spiritual being, evil spirits included. So that's that takeaway. Jesus has authority over any and every spirit, evil spirit, no matter how many they are. Key takeaway, number three. This is very interesting, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you the, the, the takeaway first, and then I'll go to the verses so you can see how I arrived at that takeaway. Here's, here's the takeaway. It's based on verses 14 through 20, and here's the takeaway. Many people miss out on their miracle because they distance themselves from Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Many people miss out on their miracle because they distance themselves from Jesus. Now, here's what happens in the story. The men who had been tending the pigs, you know, the pigs who ran off the edge of the cliff and drowned themselves, they went and they told everybody they could find what had happened. 
And so you have all these townspeople coming out to the area where Jesus was and where this man had been possessed, more than likely in the tombs, because that's where this was taking place. And, and then verse 15 says that they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and then this, and they were afraid. Okay, that's interesting. And because they were afraid, verse 17 then tells us, then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now, you might fault the people. You might think, oh my gosh, what a bunch of dummies. But, I mean, just think of it from their perspective. Really, they have no clue who Jesus is. And and really, their thinking might just be, did we just exchange one strong bully for another stronger bully? See what I'm saying? If we couldn't do anything with this man because he was demon-possessed, and we tried, and we tried, and nothing worked, all of a sudden, this guy shows up, and wow, this man who's full of demons, he he cowers before him, and then these pigs, they, this guy is tough. I mean, this guy's powerful. Do we really want that around here? I mean, do we just want to exchange one bully for another, one who is stronger, in fact? So, you know, we can't fault the people too much. They don't know who Jesus is, and they just see this incredible power that he's exerted. And rightfully, I think, they're afraid. And so they're afraid. And so they beg Jesus to leave the region. Now, just because I think it was okay of them to be afraid, I'm not justifying their actions. Because look at what happens. Jesus gets into the boat, and he's, he begins to leave. So what does that mean? He, he gave them what they asked for. They asked him to leave. He left. Okay. You don't want me around? Okay. And so here's, here's what I begin to think about, going, going back to this takeaway. Many people miss out on their miracle because they distance themselves from Jesus. Or you could even say they asked Jesus to distance himself from them. Imagine what Jesus could have done in that region if he had been allowed to stick around. How many more people might have been liberated? How many people might have been healed? How many people might have been raised from the dead? We find out in the next uh, passage after this one that Jesus raises the little girl from the dead. Could that have happened in that area? Possibly, we'll never know. But how many things did these people miss out on because they wanted Jesus to distance himself from them? Again, I guess it's it's understandable, right? Yeah, it's understandable. But still, they missed out on quite a bit because they wanted Jesus to leave. Now, I don't know, and we'll never know this, right? It's not in the text. We don't know for sure. What was the purpose of Jesus going to the region of the Gerasenes? Was it just for this one demon-possessed man to liberate him? Possibly. Was it that he wanted to perform more miracles in that region? Possibly. But then he encounters these people who are afraid of him, afraid of him, and want him to leave, so he leaves. And that, that wasn't the only time that something like that happened. You'll remember that in some other towns, Jesus couldn't perform any miracles because of the lack of belief. Well, it may be something similar here, except that here it was fear driving the people, and they didn't want Jesus around. And I just, I just have to wonder how many things that they miss out on that Jesus could have done and possibly wanted to do, but he didn't because they drove him out because they were afraid of him. Now, does that continue to happen today? I think it does. I, I think there are people who hear about Jesus, but they, they're they not ready to surrender fully to Jesus, and there's still a little bit of fear, and I don't know, and uh, and so they miss out on so many things because there's this fear, and they decide to either distance themselves from Jesus or they want Jesus to distance himself from them. 
And so as much as the people in that area of the Gerasenes, they missed out on quite a bit of things, I think there are people today who are probably missing out on something. I hope you're not one of them. I hope that as a growing disciple of Jesus, you've just decided, look, there's no fear here. There's full submission to Jesus, to his will and to his power, and I, I want to see what he's going to do in my life. As disciples of Jesus, as growing disciples of Jesus, that should be how we approach things. That should be our, our attitude. All right, next key takeaway. This is takeaway number four. Let me tell you the takeaway. And this one this is, is based on the main idea that I identified earlier at the beginning of the episode, what I consider to be the main idea of this passage. Here's the key takeaway. Here's how I would word it. If your life has been changed by Jesus, you need to tell others about it. If I were to word that differently, maybe it'd be something like, if your life has been changed by Jesus, Jesus, your responsibility is to tell others about it. Now, let me read the verses that I'm using to, uh, to, formal, to formulate that takeaway. Verses 18 through 20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. He wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be like one of the disciples of Jesus. Jesus didn't let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Now, side note, it says the Decapolis, that was a region where there were 10 cities. This is on the east side of the Sea of Galilee, 10 cities, Deca, 10, Paulus City, so 10 cities on that area. And what's interesting to me is that Jesus told the man, go home to your own people and tell them. But this man didn't stop with the people in his home, to his own people, right? Not just the people in his home. He went to the Decapolis. I mean, he went from city to city to city. Jesus just said, go home and tell your people at home. And he took it, he took it further. He took it to the Decapolis. He took it to all that area of the Decapolis. Now, this is, this is the point. This is the takeaway I'm, I'm gleaning from these verses. This man was told, go tell people what Jesus has done for you. And listen, that's, that's advancing the mission of Jesus, right? Bro code. Growing as a disciple of Jesus to advance the mission that Jesus started. And here's a clear example of Jesus expecting that, I think not only of this man, but of us today as well. I mean, that this would just be part of our character. This would just be part of our DNA. This is just part of what we do as disciples of Jesus. We advance the mission of Jesus, and the way we do that is that we tell others about how much the Lord has done for us. I would say it's not an option. It's, it's just part of what we do. It's an obligation. It's a responsibility that we have of disciples of Jesus to tell others how much Jesus has done for us. In the case of this man, it was, hey, man, I was demon-possessed. I, I lived in the tombs. I was chained. I could break the chains. I was a menace to society. Public enemy number one, Jesus came. Bam, he liberated me. And then you notice that it says that all the people were amazed. You know, they'd hear this guy, and it's like, oh, man, this is amazing. Well, I think it's, it's just, you know, the principle, the details are, are different, of course, from his life to ours, from his time to ours. The details are different, but the principle is the same. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are that you've been through an experience where Jesus has done something for you. Jesus has done some kind of change in your life. Well, guess what? 
our responsibility is to go and tell others what Jesus has done for us. That is part of growing as the disciple of Jesus, and that is definitely part of advancing the mission that Jesus started. And and that's going to be clear in the next takeaway, how it is that what this man did by going and telling people in the Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him, how that, that really advanced the mission that Jesus started. But this, this takeaway, number four, if your life has been changed by Jesus, you have a responsibility to tell others about it. All right, finally, takeaway number five. Now, this, this is going to take a little bit of thinking on our part, but I, I believe in you. We can do this. Okay, so going back to what Jesus told the man, all right? The man had uh, been demon-possessed. Jesus is asked to leave that region. The man who had been demon-possessed wants to follow Jesus. He says, man, I want to go with you. Jesus says, no, go home to your people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you. In verse 20, it says, okay, so he left, and he, he began to tell it in the Decapolis. He went through the whole area of the Decapolis. We already talked about that. Okay. So this man did that. He went and he, he did what Jesus asked him to do, right? That, that's what he did. He went to the Decapolis, and he was telling everybody about what Jesus had done for him. We're going to skip ahead a couple of chapters, because I want you to remember that when the people of the area saw what Jesus had done, they were begging him to leave because they were afraid of him. They were begging him to leave. Okay. Mark chapter 7, verse 31 and verse 32. Just listen. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. Okay? Keep that in mind. The Decapolis was those ten cities where this man had gone, and he had told them all that Jesus had done about him. So Jesus left, and then sometime later he came back to the area of the Decapolis. Now, I want you to notice what happens when Jesus comes back. Verse 32. There, the Decapolis, some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. What was it that took place that happened? As best I can tell, Jesus had not been to the Decapolis prior to this. But as soon as he gets there, there were some people who approached him and were asking for a healing of this man who was deaf and who couldn't talk. How in the world did they know about Jesus? Like, How in the world would they know to come up to Jesus when he gets off of his boat, they see him, they come up to him, how would they know that this is the guy that they need to ask for a healing? I would venture a guess, and I would say it was because of the demon-possessed man. He was the one who had gone through the entire Decapolis and was telling people what Jesus had done. They were amazed, so that by the time Jesus came back to the Decapolis, or he came to the Decapolis, that area of those ten cities, the people had already heard about him because of, or through, the demon-possessed man. And so when Jesus arrives in the Decapolis, it's a very different reception than when he left earlier. See, earlier they were begging him to leave. When he arrives at the Decapolis, they're begging him for a healing. I have to imagine, I just have to think 
that it was the demon-possessed man that had an influence and an impact in the people in the region of the Decapolis to the extent that, that they were begging Jesus, that they recognized who Jesus was and what he could do, so that when he arrived, they're begging him for a healing. I mean, I just have to think that it was... Now, the Bible doesn't say this. I, I admit there's a bit of speculation here, but I think it's reasonable speculation. But he comes to the region of the Decapolis, where the demon-possessed man had been telling everybody about what Jesus had done. And so they know who Jesus is by this point. What's the takeaway here? Here's how I see it. When you do what Jesus says, your life can have incredible impact. Yeah. Notice this man wanted to go with Jesus. He, he was ready to jump in the boat and go with Jesus. Jesus said, no, just go to your home and tell everybody what has happened. And he did it. He did it. What if he had insisted? What if he had gotten his own boat and said, well, you might not want me to go in your boat, but you can't stop me from going in my boat. I'm going to follow you anyway. I'm going to be a groupie. I'm going to be a roadie. What if he had done that? Imagine the loss of impact in the Decapolis. But because this man, he just obeyed. He did what Jesus told him to do. I think that produced incredible impact because when Jesus comes to the Decapolis, boom, the people are ready for him. The people are ready to receive him. They, they at least have some notion of what he can do because this man had done what Jesus had told him to do. Impact. And as, as, as Christian bros who are growing as disciples of Jesus, this, I think this is what it means to advance the mission of Jesus, that we take the message we take the news of what Jesus has done, is doing, and can do, and we take it to those people who need to hear that. And so when Jesus shows up in their life, they're ready. I mean, that's advancing the mission of Jesus. And I think that as Christian bros, th this, is, this is what we do. We share with others through our words, through our actions, the way we live, the way, I mean, just how we are. We share with others all the many wonderful things that God has done for us. And when we do that, I think there's incredible impact that takes place because we simply do what Jesus tells us to do. We share with others what he has done for us. Key takeaway number five, when you do what Jesus says, your life can have incredible impact. Let me review the five takeaways from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Number one, Spiritual needs need spiritual solutions, or physical solutions can never solve spiritual needs. Key takeaway number two, Jesus has authority over any and every evil spirit, and in parentheses, no matter how many there are. Number three, many people miss out on their miracle because they distance themselves from Jesus, or they ask Jesus to distance himself from them. You take away number four, if your life has been changed by Jesus, you have a responsibility to tell others about it. And you take away number five, when you do what Jesus says, your life can, will have incredible impact. Now, here's what I want you to do. I'd love it if you just went back and you read this passage for yourself. Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And look, let me, let me just here in parentheses, let me tell you something. There's this, there's this incredible tapestry, I think, that Mark is weaving here, because notice, in the passage prior to this one, 
Jesus calmed the storm. He just got up and he says, quiet, peace, be still. Bam, it happened. Then we come to this passage here where Jesus casts out many demons from a man. Then in the passage after this one, Mark 5, 21 through 43 is what it is, we see Jesus healing the woman that has the flow of blood for 12 years, and he raises the daughter of Jairus, the daughter who had died. And so this, tap- this tapestry that you, that you see woven here is Jesus' authority over everything. Jesus' authority over nature and the elements. He calms a storm. Jesus' authority over spiritual beings. He casts out the demon. Jesus' authority over sickness. He heals a woman with the issue of blood. Jesus' authority over death itself. He raises a young girl from, from the dead. Incredible what Mark is doing here that I think just begins to paint this incredible picture and weaves this beautiful tapestry of the absolute authority of Jesus. And look, you and I, as Christian bros, we dedicate ourselves. We decide to live fully under the authority of Jesus. And we decide that we will grow as disciples of Jesus and that we will advance the mission of Jesus. We'll do our part to advance the mission that Jesus started. And I'll tell you that what I do with this podcast, I consider it part of my responsibility, my role in advancing the mission that Jesus started. I think that training others, uh, equipping others, teaching others, that, that's my role. And that might not be your role. Great. Don't, don't get in my lane. And I'm not going to get in your lane. That's, that, we shouldn't be doing that. We're a body made up of different members. But do what you need to do in order to advance the mission of Jesus. Fulfill your role. Fulfill your role in advancing the mission that Jesus started. This is what we do. I mean, this is just what we do as Christian bros who want to grow as disciples of Jesus. We do what we must in order to advance the mission that Jesus started. All right, so go back and read Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. Just take some time. Read it multiple times and see what jumps out at you. You can have these five takeaways that I shared with you kind of there on the side. And I mean, I don't know, tell me, did I, did I get it right? Uh, did, I, did I stretch it too much? Did I force something there? I'd love to hear from you. Drop me an email, mario at thechristianbrocode.com. And, and just, I'd love to hear from you. What else do you see? What are some additional takeaways that you see from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20? All right, bro, that's what I have for you today. Five takeaways from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. I hope you enjoyed that. I really sincerely hope that these help you grow as a disciple of Jesus so that you can advance the mission that Jesus started. And until next time, God bless, bro.